Insurance and Injury Law Show. We are back. The number always one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at the insurance lawyer A bunch of emails, a bunch of topics, a lot of talking points uh, on the show today. But first, I know uh, Savannah, you have several cases, or at least several things you want to talk about with the week that was. So, uh, so what's going on? Well, John, as usual, it's been a very busy week. But mm-hmm. I want to start with an email that I received from a psychologist out of London, Ontario. And occasionally, you know, we do get. Uh, emails and correspondence from people who have heard the show. This person had uh, emailed a newsletter and I was on that news list. And and here's what he wrote. So he's a psychologist and he deals with chronic pain. Okay. He deals with people in accidents, on disability. Let me read you his article because I want to comment on it. It's a very short article. The title of the article is Objective Measures, Nice, But Not the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And here's what he writes. I see a common phrase when I read reports from insurance doctors. It goes like this. There is no objective evidence of impairment or injury. This phrase is used to discount and dismiss the reality of an individual's injuries, disabilities, and pain. The assumption behind this statement is that if the injuries were real, there would be objective evidence to show it. This is an artificially high standard of evidence that is hardly ever found. There are many examples of things in our daily life that we cannot see, but we know to be true. And we never question it. Take gravity, for example. Only the truly uninformed would doubt its existence, yet we cannot see it and cannot measure it directly. We can only see the effects of gravity. Rain falls down. When you let go of an object, it falls to the ground. These are the effects of gravity. This is real evidence. No one disputes this. I cannot see your pain, but if I squeeze your sore wrist and you yell, I can see or hear the effects of your pain. This too is real evidence. This is really common sense. I only write about this because so many people are hurt by insurance doctors. By hiding behind the holy grail of objective evidence, insurance doctors can feel good about denying injured people the help they need. But at whose expense? If insurance doctors wanted to be fair, only a little empathy and common sense would be needed. What a beautiful piece of writing. And you know, it really exemplifies the kind of... Uh, frustration that not only this doctor, but other doctors, as well as lawyers like myself and like James, who comes on this show, uh, and, and, you know, many of us who talk about these issues, and yet you have insurance companies out there who repeatedly deny and cut off people off of disability claims, or, uh, you know, say that because their doctors do not believe that there is objective evidence for an impairment, therefore there is no impairment. That is absolute bull. And they know that. That's the thing. John, when I used to work for insurance companies, I used to rely on those same insurance doctors to help fight against claims because that was my job. So I don't fault insurance adjusters for doing this. I don't fault defense lawyers for doing this. Here's the message. If you are one of those people who are hurt by insurance companies, if you are one of those disabled individuals who have been cut off disability or denied a disability claim, don't simply give up. Don't simply take it. Don't surrender to it. Don't give up. Give us a call. Email us. We'll be able to tell you within minutes if, in fact, you have legal recourse. That's the message, and that's what this doctor is trying to say, that there is a way to fight back. You just have to stand up for your rights. 1-888-990-9646 one 990 is the number we're talking about. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Get some of your emails a little later on in the show. What else you got going on? All right. Well, let, let me uh, read to you an email. No, sorry, not an email. A question that was posted on one of our websites, uh, mydisabilityquestions.com, which 
is so popular now. I get questions from literally across the province and, in fact, across the country, right. people who have been on long-term disability, and they have questions, and they don't know where to turn. So, so here's a question that came from uh, Tia, and, and here's what she writes. My long-term disability was denied, but my employer is saying that I am not medically fit to work. Does that mean that my employer is automatically approving me for long-term disability? If not, what should I do here? So that's a very interesting question because it raises two issues. One is a long-term disability issue. In other words, why did the long-term disability insurance company deny her claim? I would want to know the reason that they're outlining in their letter. Usually there's a letter that goes out that tells you we're denying your claim because of, and then they list some reason or reasons for why they're denying the claim. But then there is another issue here, which is with the employer. The employer is apparently telling her that she's unfit medically to come back to work. Now, that's beyond my range of expertise, but as we say on this show, there are lawyers at my firm who practice exclusively employment law, just like there are lawyers who practice exclusively disability law. And so when you are dealing with a situation where, on the one hand, you have a problem with your insurance company because they've denied your claim or cut you off, on the other hand, your employer is giving you a hard time telling you we're not going to accommodate you or we're not going to pay you severance, we can protect you really uh, on both fronts and make sure that we maximize the compensation owed to you. And so the answer for this lady is that, no, your employer, by, by your employer telling you that they're not going to take you back because you're medically unfit at this point, mm-hmm. that raises an employment issue, which is reasonable accommodation. In other right. words, can you return back to work with accommodations? And if so, is your employer not doing that, not doing what they're supposed to do by law? And that's something that Lior always talks about right. on the it's employment It's a pretty high hour. threshold. It's a yeah. very high threshold. But with respect to the first part of Tia's question, that their long-term disability insurance company denied her claim, again, we see these every day. And the fact that the insurance company simply told her that they're not going to approve her claim, doesn't mean that she doesn't have a claim. Right. That's what people need to understand. right? The insurance company's job is to save money. It's to make money. One of the ways they do that is by denying claims. And for those people out there who choose to stand up for their rights, when they contact us and we review their situation, their documents, their insurance policy, their medical documents, and we tell them that they have a claim, and guess what? It's not that difficult to resolve they are usually just amazed by that. They can't understand how it is that the insurance company denied their claim, and yet six months later or a year later, when we've resolved their claim for a lot of money, mm-hmm. again, case by case, right? every case is, is different, they don't understand. You know, Why did the insurance company cut me off at the beginning, at the outset? Well, because you know, for every X amount of claims that they deny, very few people actually stand up for their rights. Yeah, they'll walk away. They walk away. Save millions. You got it. Insurance yeah. companies pocket all that money. Exactly. Free questions, answers about LTD. I know Savannah mentioned this one, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is where you want to go. The phone number anytime, of course, one 990 9646 and help at Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of your emails a little later on in the show. If you haven't used it yet, we'll talk about it uh, very shortly as well. Find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. That is the injury calculator, and that can be found at injurycalculator.ca. Those details are uh, coming up very shortly. But you got more stuff going on. What's happening? Yeah, here's another question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com. And by the way, that website is free. So if you have right. a question, don't hesitate. Go on this website, search for, you know, other questions because chances are your question has been asked. So here's the question. This one came from Nancy in Hamilton. Here's what she writes. 
if my insurance company still has me off and is paying me after the 24 months, can they still pressure me after they started paying after the 24 months? So let's just back up okay. for one second. She's talking about a long-term disability issue here. Mm-hmm. And as many of the listeners who've been listening to the show for a while know, in long-term disability uh, situations, you qualify for LTD for payments for the first two years if you can show that you yep. cannot do your job. It's called the own occupation yep. test. Can you do your own occupation Straight or up. can you not? Yep. Exactly. Beyond the two-year mark, to get paid beyond two years on LTD, you have to show that you cannot do any occupation for which you're trained for, uh, for which you have education or experience. experience. Exactly. So the test is a bit more difficult to meet beyond the two-year mark. Okay. What this lady is now asking, she says, well, I've now passed that threshold. I am now getting paid beyond the two-year mark. So I'm not qualified for the more difficult test. But can the insurance company that's paying me can they continue, quote unquote, pressuring me after the 24 months? I don't know what that means, pressuring me. But here's what you need to understand. So long as you have that relationship with your insurance company, so long as they're paying you, that umbilical cord is going to be uninterrupted, meaning that just like they have to pay you under the policy, under the contract of insurance, by the same token, they can continue asking you for information. Yep. They can continue asking you for documentation. They can continue having you assessed by their own doctors, yep. et cetera, et cetera. That said, what does that mean pressuring you? You know, I've dealt with quite a few people who have been intimidated, uh, who have been bullied by insurance adjusters. That is completely unacceptable. When you are applying and qualify for long-term disability, the whole point is that you are medically unable to work. You yeah, have you... medical support that says, you have doctors that say you, are, you cannot work. You're in a vulnerable, vulnerable situation, whether it's psychological or physical or, yeah. or both. There's absolutely no reason why the insurance company uh, is, again, bullying you or forcing you to do things that you're not comfortable with. So if you are in that situation, feel free again to give us a call. It's going to cost nothing for you to talk to us, to get some legal advice. But the reality is this, so long as you have that relationship with the insurance company, so long as they are obligated to pay you, that relationship goes both ways. You are obligated to give them information and you're obligated to do what they're asking you to do pursuant to the policy. Not more than that though, right? Like they can't have you seen, for example, they they can't have you go see one of their doctors on a monthly basis. That's unreasonable. That cannot happen. They can ask for medical updates, but don't get carried away. Exactly. Settle down. (laughs) 1-888-990-9646 or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. What else you got going on over there? I see more. Yeah, there's one more. Listen, this was just, I'm telling you, it was a very busy week despite the fact that we're in August now. So, So here's another question. This one comes from Sherry in Bradford. Here's what she writes. My LTD was up on August 5th, 2018. My insurance company called me on July 26th, informing me that I will no longer be paid by them and I have to return to work. They did not contact my employer until that same week, telling them that I will be returning. The insurance company did not have any medical documentation supporting my return to work. So it's been difficult for me to return to work because of all of my restrictions. Now I have no income coming in and I have a family. My question is, what are my next steps? What are my rights? How many times have we talked on this show, John, about insurance companies forcing people to go back to work? But you know, John, that's not exactly accurate. An insurance company can't actually force you to go back to work, right? They can't actually put a gun to your head and tell you, you have to get up and go to work. 
what they're doing is they're pressuring you. They're telling you that they're going to cut you off at a certain date. Mm-hmm. They're giving you that heads up. And what I tell people out there is that, look, it's very simple from the way I'm looking at it. If the insurance company is telling you that they're going to cut you off in a few weeks or a few months, don't wait until that happens. Give us a call, email me, email my team, get in touch with us now because we can tell you what your legal options are. You're not obligated to do any of them, but at least you'll have that information. And and if you know someone in that situation, perhaps you're listening to this show, but you're not the one in that situation. Perhaps it's a family member, a colleague, a friend. Make sure you relay this information. Get them to give us a call or contact us on their behalf if they give you consent. Because again, insurance companies cannot simply cut you off when your doctors are telling you that you're unable to uh, to go back to work. And and, you know, we also have people obviously saying, look, I'm going to be cut off. I'm going to have to try to go back to work, even though my doctors are saying I can't. And even though I know I can't, what's the point? What is the point of you trying to go back to work only to aggravate your condition, and in a few weeks from now, after you've tried to go back to work, you fail miserably, and now you're worse off than you right. were now. It, do, it doesn't help your situation. What helps your situation is to understand your legal options now when they've given you the heads up that it's going to happen in the future. Don't wait until you're actually cut off to contact us. one 990 is that number. Write it down. Keep it. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce over your emails. After a short break, and we'll get into the injury calculator as well. This is the Injury uh, Insurance and Injury Law Show right here at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Injury calculator. Want to give me some details on that? Yeah, it's, an, o- do. it's, it's, <laughs> it's an online uh, free tool that uh, allows people to calculate fairly quickly uh, what the law um, says, yep. really, that they're entitled to for pain and suffering if they've been injured. So, for example, you've been in a car accident, you had a slip and fall, something happened, and you suffered an injury, you want to figure out, does it make sense for me to start a legal claim? Well, you know, chances are that your kind of injury, your kind of an accident occurred somewhere in the country in the last 100, 150 years. And guess what? We have a legal database that has all of these cases that have gone all the way to court, and we know what judges have said, that a broken knee is worth, we know <laughs> what you know a concussion is worth, and listen, no amount of money is going to really put you back in, in the same position you were before right. from, a, from a physical standpoint, psychological standpoint. But you want to know, does it make sense financially for me to actually start a legal claim? Should I start that claim against that you know, drunk driver who hit me, who caused me to now not be able to work because I have a concussion or a broken back or a torn shoulder? Go to injurycalculator.ca and input just a few key pieces of information. What kind of injury did you suffer? When did you suffer it? And what's going to happen is that that calculator will then go through a database and pull out other cases that are similar to yours in terms of the type of injury you've suffered. And it will tell you, here is the range of pain and suffering damages, values, uh, dollar Mm -hmm. figures that courts have awarded people who've suffered an injury like yours. But remember, that calculator only deals with pain and suffering, right? right? So if you're, for example, looking for an ankle fracture, you've suffered an ankle fracture because of a slip and fall, you had surgery on it, the calculator will tell you, you know, you can be looking at potentially thirty to forty to $50,000 in pain and suffering. But what if you can't work now because of this injury? Well, that's something we're going to have to talk about because it's very individualistic, right? It's on a case-by-case basis. Someone else may not have that same situation. Or what happens if you have an injury like uh, a hip fracture, for example, right? Let's say you're 75 years old, you went to a store, there was a wet floor, you slipped, 
you broke your hip, you were in the hospital, what can you be looking at in terms of pain and suffering damages? Right. Well, the calculator will probably tell you that you're looking at 90000 to 110, 120, $150,000. But what if now you have family members that have to take care of you? Or your home has to get retrofitted with exactly. all Exactly, and you care, have all right? these expenses, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, at the end, when you get that result on the calculator, you can click for further consultation with mm-hmm. myself or one of our team members, and then we can talk about your individual case. Again, this costs absolutely nothing. It's a very unique tool that we've created several years back, and it's been used just thousands and thousands of times across the country. Emails. Want to get to a few of those as we continue on here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Scotty, first one up, says, My partner has arthritis, depression, and fibromyalgia. He received a letter from his long-term disability insurer last week cutting him uh, cutting him uh, disability payments because they say he can go back to work. He's been on LTD for almost two years. There is no way he can go back yet, and his doctors have said the same thing. Should we appeal this or have you write to the adjuster on our behalf? It's extremely stressful dealing with the insurance company. Well, I can only imagine yeah. that it's it's very, very stressful, Scott. And, you know, again, this harkens back to the email or to the question that was posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, that we spoke uh, about a segment or two ago, you know, when the insurance company says that they think you are ready to go back to work, and so therefore you will have to go to go, you know, to go back to work, yeah. and they're going to cut you off payments. Well, again, Scott, your partner is not obligated to go back to work, especially when the doctors are saying that your partner is unable at this point to go back to work, and you've done the right thing in contacting us. Now. Because your partner has been on LTD for almost two years, you know what's happening here, John, right? I mean, the insurance company is looking at it and saying, well, you know, we paid him for two years or almost two years. Time to pull the plug. And, you know, many, many people get their disability payments stopped at or around the two-year mark, you know, when you have that change of definition date Mm -hmm. for total disability. When they're telling you that now the criteria is more onerous for, for qualifying for LTD. Now you have to show that you can't do any job. Well, we don't believe you can do any job. Nonsense. If your doctors are saying that you are unable to go back to any occupation at that point in time and you feel that you cannot do anything at this point in time, then the insurance company should not be cutting you off. And Scott, one thing that I haven't uh, seen in that email, and I'm not sure if it's, if it's happened here, uh, whether the insurance company had your partner assessed by one of their doctors. Many times, insurance companies, before they cut someone off at the two-year mark, they will have that person assessed by one of their doctors or one of their assessors. And based on the conclusions from the insurance doctor, they will then cut the person off. So you're asking, should you appeal this or should should, should I write to the adjuster on your behalf? Well, listen, those are two options, right? You can retain us in order to appeal the decision. And you know very well, John, what my view is of appeals. They are completely useless. These appeals, anytime that the insurance company is inviting you to appeal, think about it. They're asking you to appeal to them, the same people who have told you right. that they are cutting you off. Now, it may not be the same individual who signs off the rejection for the appeal that had initially made the decision to cut you off, but it's the same company. Stall tactic. It's a stall tactic. And, and we find people oftentimes, they'll go through the appeal once, they'll do it again. Meanwhile, the clock the two-year clock is ticking. ticking. You right? got it. Got Remember, yeah. you have two years from the date you were first denied or cut off disability to start a legal claim. It does not reset when you appeal. It does not reset, and there is no reason to just go on with these, this, this insurance company tactic of, of just you know going right. through this appeal process, which is, for the most part, in my experience, useless. Yeah. 
So what do we do? We start a legal claim. We take it out of the hands of the insurance company. And then once we start that legal process, internally within the insurance company, the claim shifts to a different department. Now there's a new adjuster assigned to look at the file. Now there is a defense lawyer assigned to defend the legal claim on behalf of the insurance company. And guess what that means? That means that the insurance company is now bleeding money. Mm -hmm. Now they got to pay that defense lawyer. Now they have to pay that adjuster. And what are they paying for? They're paying for them to shut this matter down. They don't want this to get to court. They don't. So unless you're lying and unless your doctors are lying, Scott, or not your doctors, but your partner's doctors are lying, and which I don't think they are. I can't see why they would. Your partner has a valid legal claim. I would start out immediately, and I'm telling you, based on all of my experience, we're going to get the insurance company to the table. Scott, obviously, you have the email uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, but I will give you the phone number for your partner. Call it. Uh, make that contact, one 9646 More questions and emails are on the way as we continue here the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 9646 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get some emails uh, again very shortly here. So, what happens to a uh, disabled employee's LTD benefits if his or her employee lets them go while they're on disability? Do they uh, do the benefits end upon termination of their employment? Or do they keep going? No, they keep going. And that's a very valid question because you have people out there who have been on LTD for a few months or a few years, and then suddenly they get a call or a letter or an email from their employer telling right. them, by the way, you know, your position has been now terminated. And so they are now freaking out because, well, I've been relying all this time on payments from my long-term disability insurance company, is that going to end because I was just let go uh, from my job? Well, again, let's unpack this. There are a few issues here. Number one, LTD policies generally uh, uh, stipulate that so long as you had coverage when you became disabled, Right. right? So you were working at the time you became disabled, your insurance policy was triggered, you are now getting payments, that survives any termination of employment. It doesn't matter that your company lets you go. It doesn't matter that your company has gone out of business. It's, it's irrelevant, okay? Not in every case, but in the vast majority of cases, that is what happens. But there is a side issue here, which is that you've been let go uh, while on disability, and that raises, again, employment and human, human rights, rights issues, yeah. right? Because now you're not only entitled to severance, but you're potentially entitled to human rights damages because in Ontario, you're not allowed to let someone go when they are on disability. Well, what does that mean? Why is that relevant to the individual that is on disability? Well, here's why it's relevant. Because your LTD policy, which is a contract, stipulates that the insurance company is, enti- is, is entitled to a credit for any severance that you get. Yep. Well, if you've been let go from your job while you're an LTD and you get severance, the insurance company is able to get credit for that. So if your severance is $10,000 and you're getting, let's say, $2,000 monthly from LTD, the insurance company is going to say, okay, well, that's great. You got 10000 severance. We're not, we're not going to pay you now for five months right. because that's equivalent right. to your severance. Well, you don't want that. And that's where it's so important to contact us. Again, because we have that expertise, both in disability law as well as employment and human rights. Because they let you go while you were on disability and because you are now potentially entitled to human rights damages, those human rights damages are not deductible. The insurance company cannot get a credit for those. So when we're dealing with your employer then and we structure a settlement with your employer, 
some money is going to be allocated for your severance and some money is going to be allocated perhaps for human rights damages and whatever else. And if you think about this, let's say you're entitled to $10,000 from your employer. Maybe $5,000 is for severance. Maybe $5,000 is for human rights. Well, now the insurance company can only get credit right. for that 5000 severance, not the full $10,000. Nice. Again, every case is, is different. I, I'm not, there's nothing illegal about any of this. It's just that you have to understand that there are multiple facets and, and that, again, our, our firm and the lawyers at our firm are uniquely positioned to be able to help someone who's experiencing this because you have all of these points of law that interact with each other. Otherwise, you would get an employment lawyer here and you'd get a, a disability lawyer there and a human rights lawyer over there. Not, none of them are talking to each other. Right. None of them really care about each other. None of them really care about how what they're doing affects you, but you're in the middle. You're in the middle of the storm. So you want to make sure that you go to the one shop that's going to give you all of those services and that's really what we offer. Listen, you're free to go elsewhere. I'm just saying that there is an advantage in mm -hmm. making sure that you have the same people dealing with all of these issues to maximize how much money ends up in your pocket. Email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Dan is next up, says, I'm a physician and have been on long-term disability for over a year for chronic fatigue syndrome. Recently, I was asked by my insurance company to undergo an assessment with one of their doctors, who I know to be uh, very insurance-oriented and biased. I refused to see that doctor and offered to see someone else, but they said no and instead threatened to cut me off. So I agreed to see him, and the report following his assessment is full of errors and, as I expected, bias. Now the insurance company said that my payments will stop in about four weeks. What are my legal options? I have two specialists that I see, both of who will confirm that I am unable to work at this time. Wow. Well, here you go, John. Oh. We have Dan here who is a doctor himself oh. and recognized that the insurance physician, the insurance doctor, the insurance company wanted him to see is one of those biased type of doctors. By the way, not every doctor that does reports and assessments for insurance companies is biased. Many of them are very ethical and very moral. I've come across these people. And in fact, I utilize them oftentimes in my own cases when I advocate for disabled people. But in this case, what are Dan's options? You know, he tried to avert the, you know, the inevitable here, which yeah. is that he told the insurance company, I know this doctor. And now this doctor cranked out this report, and on the basis of that report that is full of errors, the insurance company is going to cut him off. Well, Dan, here are your options. You have three options. And it's not just Dan. It's anyone facing right. the situation. Number one, do nothing. Horrible option. <laughs> but John, Don't do that one, Dan. there are some people who choose that option, believe it or not. Number two, appeal that termination of benefits. Another bad one. We all know what's going to happen there. You don't have to be an oracle to figure out what's going to happen. Number three, start a legal claim immediately. And because of Dan's own knowledge and because of the specialists that he's now seeing who are backing up uh, his claim that he's disabled, I can tell you right now, we can start a legal claim today and the insurance company is going to be knocking on our door, calling us immediately to try and resolve this claim. The last thing they want is to have a legal claim process end up in court with a doctor on the other side who testifies that here's what happened and you know he, he's going to basically show along with the specialist that this insurance doctor is completely biased and by the way how many other cases has this insurance company used that same doctor yeah so dan you have options here the best option is for us to start a legal claim for you immediately and i'm telling you it will not be difficult to resolve your case 
one 990 is the number you'll want to use anytime. Go to the injury calculator, find out what your pain and suffering should be. And, of course, emails, more of those coming up. Uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You know, sometimes LTD insurers sometimes ask disabled persons to undergo assessments to determine what other jobs they can do. We've talked about that before. Now, does that disabled person, they have to take the assessment, that's fine, they go there. But do they have to do the jobs identified in that assessment? What does the disabled person have when the insurance company uh, pushes them back for another job? Do they have options? So they do have options. And and what you're talking about is that in many instances, and again, you see this in in many cases uh, where the person is getting to that two-year mark of being on LTD, where the insurance company is going to have that person assessed by someone who is doing a transferable skills analysis or a vocational assessment. So that's not a medical assessment. They're not having you seen by a doctor. They're having you seen by someone who then cranks out a report saying, well, maybe you can't do your job, but here are 10 other jobs that we think you can do. And I've seen those reports. And, you know, frankly, listen, ultimately the insurance company's job, and I don't see anything wrong with that, is to help you get back on your feet. Maybe, maybe they can't help you medically. Maybe the impairments are what they are. The restrictions are what they are. But maybe they can find other jobs you didn't think about and, and they can help you get on the right track. They can offer retraining, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, what I find in too many cases is that, no, that's not what the insurance company is doing with these reports. Again, they are using these reports as a crutch. They're they're not using these reports as a tool to aid you. They are using them as a crutch that allows them to cut you off. Because what's going to happen? They're going to get you that letter. They're going to send you that letter or the email saying, we've identified all these jobs. Please pick one of them and do them because (sighs) we're cutting you off in four weeks. And you're looking at it thinking, what? I, I, don't, I can't do you know, these jobs. I have no idea why this assessor said I can do these jobs. And again, that puts people into a panic mode. And they go to their doctors. And their doctors are saying, well, the insurance company is insane. And, and, or the adjuster is insane. And, and, and the, the assessor that cranked out this report right. is out of their minds. Look, I don't know. Maybe the truth is with the assessor. Maybe it's with the doctor. Maybe it's somewhere in between. In my experience... If a doctor or a set of doctors are saying that this individual cannot work at this point, let's say they're having psychological issues, it doesn't matter if physically they're able to do another job. They're unable to get out of bed. They should not be pushed to do a job that they're not able at this point to do. And so, again, what is the option? Well, the option is the same as the option for Dan, the doctor that we just spoke about in the last segment, which is that you give us a call. Let us review that report from this assessor. Let us review the denial letter. Let us see what your doctors are saying, and we will tell you within minutes if we think that you can fight back. And that's really what we're here for. We're here, we're in your corner. That's the point, right? I mean, think about this like a a boxing match, right? You have this huge insurance company on the one side of the ring. You are on the other side, and you're thinking there is no way I can go all these rounds. There's just no way. I'm telling you right now, there is a way. Stand up. Don't simply, you know, lie down or walk away from this. Let us review the documentation and let us tell you what your legal options are. Does it matter if these list of jobs that they've uh, they've outlined are fifty percent of what you were making before? Yeah. Yes, it does. And and many uh, LTD policies contain um, 
certain, um, not requirements, but they contain uh, provisions that outline that in their view, if you can find a job that pays you, let's say, 60% or 70% or whatever it is. You're good to go. You're good to go. And again, that's contractual. Listen, insurance companies, I mean, we have to be fair to them as well. Mm. They are operating under contract law. When I hit them and when I, you know, go off on them and say that they're being unfair, it's because I think that they're taking advantage of vulnerable individuals. But you know, John, I've seen my share of people who are trying to, you know, game the system. G- game the system, and that's not fair either. Yep. And in fact, you know, when I when someone contacts me, not just me, but people at my firm, and we get a sense that the person is not being truthful with us. Yeah. You know, I, I'll give you an example. I, I had someone a few weeks ago that I spoke uh, that I spoke with after a car accident, and that individual, after they told me about all their injuries, uh, asked me if they should go back to work or not. I mean, really? Mm-hmm. You're asking me that? Yeah. If you can go back to work, you should go back to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't stay off work just because you think I'm going to be able to maximize your claim or leverage that with the insurance company yeah. when that's not the truth. Yeah. That's not fair. It's not something I'm going to be, it's not going to be acceptable to me. It and doesn't frankly, help the problem either. Exactly. Yeah. And as a lawyer, by the way, we do have ethical standards. I know people out there, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, <laughs> but we do have ethical standards. And many lawyers who do what I do that I know personally, you know, they take that very seriously. We are officers of the court. It's my job to advocate for my clients. It's not my job to lie or help my clients lie, and I will never do that. But if I see that the insurance company is taking advantage of my client, we're going to hit them with everything we have. We'll take a a short break here. The phone number, one 9646 and we'll get right to another email when we come back. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646. The number, the email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to this as well after this email. That is the injury calculator. Tell you what that is uh, all about and go over that one again. Amy writes in, says, my husband suffered a concussion last year. After a car accident, his friend was driving and they got sideswiped by an SUV going over 100K an hour. He hasn't been the same since the accident. He broke a few ribs and tore the meniscus in his left knee. He worked as a plant manager but hasn't gone back to work yet, and the doctors say it will still be a long time before he is ready to go back. He applied for LTD and was rejected twice. Apparently, they say that there is insufficient medical documentation to support his disability. We're not sure what to do. He's been getting income replacement benefits from the auto insurer, but that's just 400 bucks a week, as you know. And he was earning over 100K a year before the accident. Wow. Uh, can you help? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, there are several issues here that we're dealing with. And we see this a lot with car accident claims where a person uh, was injured in a car accident and now they're getting some benefits from their own auto insurance uh, um, uh, benefits carrier. Those are called no-fault benefits. So if you're in a car accident, let's break this down, and you're injured, whether or not you're at fault, it doesn't matter. You are going to be getting or entitled to certain benefits from your own insurance company or the insurance company of the car you were in. And those include income replacement benefits if you can't work. And that's what she's referring to when, she, when when Amy says that they're getting $400 a week because that's standard unless you've purchased optional benefits that give you a higher amount. But, you know, and, 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 and then she goes on to to talk about the fact that he's applied for long-term disability and, and was rejected twice, indicating that he had appealed, unfortunately, and, and, and was uh, you know, rejected again. No. So, Amy, here's what you need to know. There are really three insurance claims here that we okay. have to talk about. Uh, in in the limited time we have. Number one, 
there is the insurance payments that he's getting from his accident benefits provider that we just talked about. So that's fine. He hasn't been cut off that. Number two, because the accident was not his fault, he was sideswiped by that SUV, he's going to be entitled to start a claim, a legal claim for pain and suffering, for income loss. Against theirs. Against whoever caused the accident. Yeah, their insurance company is going to now be involved in in this claims process. This is very important because you're talking about a potentially huge claim. Mm-hmm. A concussion, which is what Amy's husband suffered, is a brain injury. Okay, when people say concussion, you, you can equate that with brain injury. Some of them are not that severe. Some of them are very severe. Some of them are permanent. Some of them are catastrophic in nature. Right. But if you were to Google concussion, you will see the Mayo Clinic even defines it as a brain injury. So he obviously suffered the very major accident here, uh, sorry, a very major injury. Um, now, in addition to the accident benefits claim with his own insurance company and the legal claim, the tort claim against the other driver who caused the accident, he now has a legal claim against his long-term disability provider for denying him right. long-term disability, which we've been talking about uh, for you know the balance of, of, of the show. And why that is important, because first of all, we can start a claim against the LTD insurer. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. understand how the LTD insurer is saying that he has insufficient medical documentation. Clearly, he's been diagnosed with a concussion. He has a torn meniscus. Anybody who suffered a knee injury, particularly a torn meniscus, understands how incredibly painful and limiting that injury yeah. is. And this gentleman is a plant manager. I mean, I've dealt with plant managers, people who work in factories. I mean, there is a physical aspect They're to that job. walking around a lot. Exactly. Yep. And he's making a lot of money. He's making six figures. So, Amy, here's what needs to happen. We have to start a claim on all fronts immediately. The longer you and your husband wait, the longer it's going to take to resolve your claims. And you're talking about three claims that are intertwined Mm -hmm. because each one of these insurance companies is going to request a credit from the other insurance companies, right? The LTD is an income replacement type of, of, of a benefit that you're claiming. And that overlaps with the income replacement benefits from his automobile insurer carrier, the the accident benefit portion of his claim. But guess what? Because he's making a claim also against the other driver, he's going to be claiming income loss. There is that aspect to consider as well. So again, without getting into too much technical stuff here, it's very important to understand that when you suffer an injury that is very severe in a car accident, in a slip and fall, anything like that, once you have multiple insurance companies you're dealing with, you have to be very careful very careful that everything is being done on all fronts correctly and and making sure that no one insurance company gets more credit than they deserve, okay? It's a very, very uh, delicate balance and you have to make sure that the lawyer that you choose or the law firm that you choose is gonna be able to help you and your husband. And remember, Amy, your husband is the one who's injured, but the family members are also entitled, including yourself, also entitled to pursue compensation claims from the other driver, whoever caused uh, the injury. So again, we have a lot of issues we need to unpack here. My suggestion is that after the show, we get in touch with each other and and we have a meeting and we will lay out all the legal options, tell you exactly what needs to be done uh, and, and, and really answer all your questions, which is which is really the most critical thing, that you understand what all your legal options are. That's when he was in a car and somebody else was driving. What if you're, uh, you know, being an idiot, you got your head down, you're texting, boom, you hit a pole. Accident is your fault. Can they uh, can they reject your claim because you were at fault? It was your car driving you? Can who reject your claim? The insurance company. Which one? 
Yours. Okay. So no, your insurance company for accident benefits, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's your fault or someone else's fault. That doesn't matter. Your own benefits. You've paid for your own policy. Right. So you're going to be entitled to the accident benefits no matter if it was a single car collision, okay. if it was a 10 car collision. Gotcha. It doesn't matter who's at fault. But if you were at fault for the accident, and by the way, we say fault as though it's black and white. Sometimes, you know, you can have an allocation. Maybe I was making a left-hand turn and someone, you know, ran uh, a red red light. Well, maybe that's going to be a 50-50 split. So, you know, in every case, again, every case is different. And by the way, the fact that you were potentially charged with a Highway Traffic Act offense, let's say you were charged for making that left-hand turn when you're not supposed to, or maybe you ran a red light, that doesn't mean you don't have a civil claim for injuries. So again, you have to be careful in how you analyze this. That's why we keep telling people, give us a call, email us, because we'll be able to tell you within minutes yep. if in fact you have a legal claim. And if you don't, at least you know that. Very, very important. These are, these are you know, not, not simple points of law, but they're not that complex either if common. that's all you do. They're very, very right. common, absolutely. Before we wrap, injury calculator. Okay, so again, that's uh, it's an online tool. allows you to calculate very quickly uh, how much pain and suffering damages you are potentially entitled to if you start a legal claim against wh- whoever caused your injury. Uh, and, uh, you know, I-, I can only tell you that there is really no reason not to use it. There is no reason not to go even to the other website we talked about sometimes, yep. uh, fightformyltd.com. If you are experiencing an LTD issue with your insurance company or you know someone who does, uh, that website, fightformyltd.com, again, free website, answer five simple questions on it. will take you 10, 20 seconds. And we'll be able to tell you fairly quickly online if, in fact, you have uh, a potential legal case against your insurance company. Lots of good stuff you need to contact. Now that we're done for uh, this particular day, email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Phone number, as always, one 990 Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.